But tonight, I'm launching a brand new series just simply called Think Big, to where we would start thinking big, not only in our personal life, but corporately as a church, that we would understand what this principle means about living a life uh, based upon God's Word, living a life of faith, beginning a life of trusting Him. So over the next four weeks, instead of dumping a lot of information on you about the building and the relocation project and all of those other things, for the next four weeks, I'm going to bleed this into the sermons. So it's not like one 30-minute dump and then a prayer, but we'll just we'll look at it together for the next four weeks. And so the philosophy of the building will be the same as the philosophy of this building. First class, but practical, uh, beautiful without being extravagant. Uh, honor God and not someone's ego. And so this relocation project is so large, it is going to cause every one of us to walk by faith. It is going to cause us to learn to be generous with our resources, and with our, with our money that God has given us as we continue to lead in this community, to not only reach this community, but to reach the, sta- the state as well. So in Matthew chapter 14, there's this story, one of my favorite stories of the disciples and Jesus. When Simon Peter walks on water, it's a story of just great faith. It's a story of just just great trusting God where we can pull some principles out that if we're going to think big, if we're going to be men and women of faith in our personal lives, in our corporate life, in our church life, and following him, these principles are just huge. Let's read that story. I'll read it aloud. You can read it silently as you turn in your Bibles and electronic devices, and I'm going to bring just three principles out of this. Verse 22, as we start reading it, Scripture says, immediately he made, so Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Now, if you're old school and you have a Bible and you have, you have pages, you can underline he made. That's just huge in this story. It has huge context. It has huge meaning. So just mark that in your mind. Don't forget that. So Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Another really important phrase, go before him. You hear a lot of people talk about don't run ahead of God. He pushed them ahead of him. And so the disciples go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus just, one word, just said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, he began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the, the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and when, when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around all that region and brought him to all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. As many, were, as, many as touched 
were made well. Now listen, this is an interesting miracle in the life of Jesus. This is an interesting miracle that he performed walking on water. This is an interesting miracle with, with the disciples because when you look at this story, you realize that in the boat, in that story, nobody got saved. Nobody really got healed. And so you've got to ask your question, why in the world is this story here? Fact is, every scripture, every story of the Bible is there for a reason. And so we must ask ourselves, why would God want to why would he want to keep that scripture for thousands and thousands of years? Why would he want us to reach that, read that scripture? What does that scripture have to say to us? Why is that scripture there? And when I look at this story, I think that the reason that the story is there is because God did this miracle for the disciples to prepare them for other miracles in their life. God does some miracles for you, and God does some miracles for us privately. Why? So that we'll learn to trust him. So we'll learn to live life differently. So that we'll understand that we can trust him and we can follow him and he will take care of us. Listen, he, was, he did this miracle for the disciples to set other miracles up for them in their life. So they're willing to trust him and know that he is in control and know that he is sovereign and know that he is good. So they would be able to see God do some amazing things. Listen, let me tell you something. Many times in your life, fact is, when you look at Scripture, you find this is true. This is true in my life as well. Many times when God does amazing things in your life, it usually doesn't come when you're on flat water. Right? When I've seen God do amazing things in my life, it usually did not come when everything was going my way. Usually when God does amazing things in people's lives, it's when, they're in, it's when they're in rough water. It's when they're in a storm. Listen, here's just a thought, and we'll, we'll unpack this later, but let me just give this to you now so that you can go ahead and think about this. God's desire for you is not to drown in the storm. His plan for you is not to die in the storm. Not to drown in the storm. His desire, his intention, his plan for you is to learn to walk on water in the storm. Is learn to trust him when there's water uh, overtaking you, when it's rough water, and when it's not flat water. And maybe you're going through a rough time in your life. Maybe it's physical issues. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's an issue related to the economy. Maybe it's a relational issue that you're going through. Maybe it's an issue related to your business. And it is in sometimes in those moments of life, when, that, when we have that struggle, when we have that storm, when we have those problems, those are the times in life that we are the most sensitive to God, Right? And don't think because you're going through a difficult time in your life right now that God's hand is not on you and his presence is not with you. In fact, a lot of times that is when we're more sensitive to him, when we're going through those difficult times in our life. Listen, no matter what kind of storm you may be going through, it is not God's desire for you to drown in that storm, for you to, to die in that storm, for that, that storm to destroy you. So if you're going to be a person of faith, if we're going to be people of faith, there's three principles that we can pull out of this scripture together just to understand how we can be, live life differently. And the first one is this. If you're going to have a big faith, if you're going to do big things, whether it's corporately as a church or whether it's individually through you, 
You have to come to the place to where you're willing to obey doing what you have never done before. You have to come to a place in your life. That's what happened with the disciples. They had to obey doing what they have never done before. Listen, many times when we start talking about this issue of obedience, most people take obedience from a negative perspective, right? Whether it's submitting to someone else's authority, coming in line with their authority, come under the authority of God. And many times what happens is, is when, when, when a pastor, when people start talking about obedience, people start taking that from a negative perspective to where they believe that, that God is out there to hurt them or God is out there to zap them or, or if they step out of line, they're going to get judged or fail and all of this other stuff. But when you look at Scripture, you find that it's obedience is not from a negative perspective. See, when you look at obedience with the disciples, obedience put them in the right place at the right time, in the right position, where they could see God do some amazing things in their life. It put them in the right place at the right time in the right position. Verse 22, watch this. Immediately, he, Jesus, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And he dismissed the crowd. Why did he make them? Why did he have to make them? Jesus has just done this ginormous miracle, feeding of the 5,000, which in biblical times and, and when the scripture was written, they only counted the head of households. They only counted the men. And so probably estimates were anywhere from 10 to 20,000 people were there. And so it was a miracle where Jesus fed 10 to 20,000 people with a, with, a, with a little boy's sack lunch. And so all of a sudden, because of that, the crowd started pressing in to Jesus, and, and the crowd got a little bit out of control, and all of a sudden, Jesus turns to the disciples, and he tells them to get in the boat, and they didn't want to get in the boat. And the scripture says, fact is, in the Greek, I mean, it's very forceful. And it says Jesus had to make them get in the boat, and why didn't they want to get in the boat? You know why they didn't want to get in the boat? It absolutely made no sense to them. And they wanted to figure it out. Why? See, see, to the disciples, a couple of things or maybe three things that were going through their mind that they're thinking, you know what? This doesn't make any sense. The crowd is pressing in. There's ten and 20,000 people. We need to do crowd control. I mean, we need to stay here and help Jesus. Another thing, when you read the, the Gospels all the way through, Jesus had never, until this point, Jesus had never asked the disciples to leave him. He always kept them with him. And now all of a sudden, he's making them get into the boat. He's making them leave him, and they felt that they needed to stay and protect them. Listen, let me tell you something. Obedience in your life is very important. It, and it's obedience in the little things that is critical in life. All they had to do, just get in the boat. Willing to get in the boat. Willing to be obedient. Willing to get in the boat, even though they did not understand why. Set them up and put them in a position to see one of the greatest miracles recorded in Scripture. Listen, I'm telling you something. This issue of obedience, obedience to his word, obedience to God, even when we don't understand it, it's just critical. It's obedience in the little things. When, when one, of, one of my favorite war stories was General Montgomery, and, and he, he went to lead the Allied forces in, in North America, and when he, when he took command, the, the Allied forces were, were losing. 
And so he started asking, asking some questions, and he started looking around about how commands were given and how commands were received. And, and General Montgomery learned this, that when a general would give a command, the troops saw it as a suggestion. And so they would talk about it down through the ranks. They would criticize it. They would talk about it. They would try to decide whether they were going to do it or whether they weren't. And so they, they immediately didn't respond, and sometimes they never responded. And General Montgomery made one change that changed that war. And General M Montgomery says, this ends now. When you're given a command, you obey, you do it. You don't ask any questions. You don't worry if it makes sense or not. We've already thought of all of that. You just obey, and you just do it. And it's very important for us to understand obedience is critical in our Christian relationship. Obedience is critical to God. And when you get into this thing of negotiating with God, when he tells you to do something and he wants you to do something, when, and when you get into this thing to where you try to justify your actions, justify not doing it, justify not doing what God has called you to do, it puts you in a difficult position because obedience is critical. I mean, why would you give him 10% of your income? Why would you handle your relationships in a biblical manner? Why, why do you forgive? Why do you love your neighbor as yourself? Why do you act on certain things and not on other things? Should always come from his word. Because you're being obedient to God even when, even when you don't understand it. And when you're obedient to God even when you don't understand it, I'm telling you, it puts you in a position for God to pour out his spirit on you and do what only he can do in your life. When you try to negotiate with God and play let's make a deal with God, you're always going to choose the wrong door. Obedience is critical in your life. I mean, when you look at this story, had the disciples not obeyed God, had the disciples said, no, this makes like no sense to us. We're going to stay with you. We're going to do crowd control. We're going to push the crowd back. If the disciples said, you know what, this is crazy. We've never been apart from you. Now all of a sudden you're like kicking us out. And so, so we're going to... Can you imagine if the disciples hadn't gotten in the boat? They wouldn't have been in the right place, the right position, and the right time to see God do an amazing miracle in their life. They had front row seats to a miracle of God and I don't know how many times we have disobeyed God in our lives and we've missed out on what God has had for us and because we didn't do the first thing that he told us to do. Or we wouldn't move forward until it made sense to us. Let me ask you, is there anything you're doing right now or is there anything that you're not doing right now that you know that God wants you to do? I didn't ask if you understand it. I didn't ask if you agree with it. I didn't ask if it makes sense to you. Is there anything in your life right now that you're struggling with? 
that you know. God has asked you to do that. God has asked you to be obedient. Is there anything in your life that you know that he has asked you to do and I'm not doing it? It's a critical question. And it's a question for you to answer because I'm just telling you, obedience in the little things. Obedience in the little things is the first step to blessing in your life, to an anointing in your life. Listen, without obedience, well, without obedience in the disciples' life, the blessing would not have come. The anointing would not have come. Listen, let me tell you something. It is his presence, not our plans, our efforts that bring the crossing of the sea that make us able to walk on water like Simon Peter does a little bit later in the story. And so what place in your life are you just straining against what God has called you to do? Verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, it is a ghost, and they cried out in, cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And so here they are. And so at this point in the story, they are terrified. And, and the reason that they're terrified is the reason a lot of other people are terrified too. Because when the supernatural invades the natural, sometimes it can give us fear. Sometimes it can seem unnatural. Sometimes it can seem scary. And this, this is what would happen, right? In the New Testament, an angel would show up. What, what, what would the angel, first thing the angel would say when the angel would show up, when the supernatural would invade the natural, the first thing the angel would say is, do not be afraid. Because when the supernatural invades the natural, it can always be scary. And when God asks you to do something, let, let fear birth your faith, not paralyze your faith. See, the cumulative effect of faith grows as we continue to trust him. Faith is like this muscle, right? Faith is like a muscle. The scripture says the more that we exercise that muscle, the stronger that it gets. Faith is the same way. The more that we exercise the muscle of faith in our life, the stronger that it gets and the things that we can dream for get larger and we're able to think bigger and bigger because we understand that he is faithful and he is good and he, and he is sovereign. But there's also a cumulative effect of walking with God. There's a cumulative effect of trusting God. But there is a cumulative effect of walking away from God. And not being obedient in the little things that he's asked you to do. The first thing is this. If you're going to be a person of faith, is that you've got to obey doing some things that you've never done before. The second thing is this. You've got to dream doing what you've never done before. You've got to obey doing what you've never done before. You've got to dream doing what you've never done before. Listen, a dream is very important in life. In Simon Peter's dream, and, and listen, when you look at the Scriptures, and we could go through the Gospels, and we could, we could, we could flesh this out, and we could understand this, but, but Simon Peter had a dream. You know what that dream was? Simon Peter wanted to do everything that Jesus did. He wanted to be everywhere that Jesus was. 
Simon Peter dreamed that he could be everywhere that Jesus was. He could do everything that Jesus would do. I mean, that's why you hear Simon Peter make some statements that was like, you know what, even if I have to follow you to the cross, even if I have to go to the cross with you, even if I have to die with you, I will die with you. And so Simon Peter had this dream. And so I think that's one reason that, that Simon Peter's hand was always going up because he had this dream to be where Jesus was and do everything that Jesus was doing. And so he was the one that was always quickly to answer the questions, right? And sometimes he would get too far ahead and he would say some embarrassing things. But Simon was always trying to be there with him. And so watch this. And so verse 28, and so Simon Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you. Now remember, Jesus has already told him it's him, right? And so he just comes back. And there's some people that make fun of Simon Peter. He said, you should have had more faith. Listen, those are the guys that were in the boat. I mean, it's easy to critique the one that's walking on water, right? It's easy to critique the one that's trusting him. And so there's some people say, well, why would Simon Peter say, Lord, if it is you, you just tell me to come and I'll come. And I'll tell you why it is, because Simon Peter wanted to make sure. You, you, you just tell me. It doesn't matter if I understand it or not. It doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. It doesn't even matter if I think I can do it or not. All I got to do, I got to hear a word from you. You tell me to come, and I'll come. And I'll come to you. Watch this. I'll come to you on the water. You got that, right? I'll come to you. I'll come to you on the water. His dream was to do whatever Jesus did, and he wanted to identify with him. Listen, the key to understanding what God is doing in your life is to understand where dreams come from. Psalms 37, 4 says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, put him first. Put him first in everything. Worship him. Understand that he's sovereign. He's in control. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he, okay, and he will give you desires, which in the Hebrew, dreams. And he will give you the desires. He will give you the dreams, the things that you have dreamed of doing. He will give you the dreams of your, of your heart. In other words, this, if you'll fall in love with him, and if you'll fall in love with a love relationship with him, and you make him the focus of your life, that he will begin when, to give you the right want-tos or the right desires. That as you enter into a relationship with him, there's a lot of people that I've talked to, and part of their testimony is this. Man, when I met Christ, everything changed in my life. My desires begin to change. My focus begin to change. My priorities begin to change. You know why that is? You fall in love with him. You make him your focus. That all of a sudden, he begins to give you the desires. He begins to give you the dreams of your heart. And he'll give you the desires, and he'll give you the dreams to begin to Ask him for things because he's the one that initiated it. Listen, the key to having power of God on your life is having this love relationship with him where you spend time in his word and you read his word and you apply his word in, his, in your life. And as, and as you stay in love with him and as you have this love relationship with him, he begins, begins to give you the right desires and the right priorities. Man, a dream is a powerful thing, right? Listen, when someone doesn't have a dream, they no longer have passion, they're discouraged, they don't even know if they have purpose of life, and they just kind of walk into one wall after another, trying to figure out where they're headed. I don't know if you've 
I don't know if you've ever trusted God for big stuff in your life before. I don't know if you've ever started something out from scratch and just trust Him and begin to watch God just bless and provide. Listen, I'm telling you, the fulfillment is not in the destination. The fulfillment is in the journey. As you walk with him, and as he blesses you, and as he does things in your life that you never thought was possible, you never thought he could do. Listen, let me tell you something. Dreams come from within, and dreams come from within of who you are. And God wants you to have a, God wants you to have a dream for your life because I'm telling you, he has a dream for your life. That he'd be able to use you. He doesn't want you just to exist. He doesn't want you just to, to read stuff from devotional books to where you say, wow, I wish, I wish that would happen to me. I wish something like that would happen in my life. You know when it happens in your life? It happens in your life through obedience. Do you begin just to trust him and just to walk with him and just experience him? I mean, and the disciples started out by just getting in a boat and just trusting him. He wants you to know that your faith, that your relationship with him is living and active. And so the question for each one of us is water walker or boat potato? Are we going to walk with him? Are we going to trust him? Are we going to partner together as a church? Are we going to partner together? Are we just going to be spectators? Are we just going to watch from a boat and see what God does? Are we going to get out in the water together? And are we going to trust him? And are we going to be obedient? Because I'm telling you, a partnership, and I really believe this is a year for this church to understand what a partnership is. And a partnership is this. A partnership is to where someone doesn't experience all the blessing or someone doesn't experience all the burden. But to our true partnership, whether it's in church, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in, a, in, a, in an organization, whether it's in a sports team, a true partnership is this, where everybody bears the burden and the blessing Amen. to where we trust him. You ever been in a company? You better ever been in a relationship where someone wanted to experience all the blessing but none of the, none of the burden, none of the responsibility? It was a difficult partnership, right? The same is true for this. And the same was true for the disciples. They began to dream doing something. Simon Peter began to dream doing something that he had never done before. The last principle is this, that if you're going to be a water walker, if you're going to be a person of faith, you have to risk doing what you've never done before. You have to obey doing what you've never, never done before. You have to dream doing what you've never done before. And then you have to risk doing 
what you've never done before. This is the difference between theory and practice. There's a lot of people that won't experience this from theory, but, but the power comes when we move from theory to practice and we begin taking his word and we begin, a, a, begin applying it to our life. This is really and truly where the water hits the wheel. Simon Peter was this water walker and he walks on water. Watch this, verse 28. And so Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, you just command me to come to you. What? You command me to come on the water. Because my dream is I want to be everywhere you are. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water, and he, and he came to Jesus. Let me ask you, in life, what keeps you from risking? What keeps you from risk doing what you've never done before? What keeps you from trusting him? What keeps you from risking? What keeps you from saying, Lord, you just tell me to come, and I'll come? You tell me to do this, and I'll do this, and we'll just call it good. You know what keeps us from trusting God? It's a profane, horrible four-letter word, fear. Now, I was raised in a family to where my dad did not want to raise a child that was paralyzed by fear. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you a story, and my dad's not going around teaching any parenting classes, I promise you. But, but when I was a child, my dad did not want me to grow up. He did not want his son to grow up and live a life of fear because he'd seen a lot of people that just live life paralyzed by fear to where it just, it just paralyzes. Listen, let me tell you something. You know, biblically, don't let fear paralyze you. Allow fear to motivate you to trust him and to follow him. And so my dad, when I was in the second grade, I was afraid of the dark. And we lived in East Texas, and if you've never been to East Texas, it's an awesome place to be. And so it's a lot of pine trees and a lot of shrubs and all that other stuff. And so around every house, is just, it's just heavily wooded with all these pine trees and stuff. And so here's what my dad would do. He, my, my daily, one of my daily chores was take it out trash. Well, I wanted to take the trash out when? When it was light outside because on the side of the house were some trash cans, and you'd go and you'd dump it there. And so my dad would say, you know what, we're making a new rule, son. You have to take out the trash right before you go to bed because that way we don't have trash sitting around the house overnight. And so he would force me every night to go out of the front door, walk, walk. And you know how it is because, right, because you know what fear does for, to you, right? You see stuff that's really not there. <laughs> it's true, Right? I mean, you, you, see, you, know, you see monsters, and you see, you, know, you, you see bears, and even though we don't have bears in East Texas, I saw them. And, and so you see all this stuff. And so I, and, and I don't know if I told you, I was in the second grade. And so this one time that I will never forget is I went around the front because there was a street light, and it was safer. And so I went around the front, and I came around the side of the house, and I'm going past the shrubbery, and they were high, and trees everywhere, and shadows, and that whole deal, and I just about got to the trash can, and my dad had come out the back door around, and he came up over the trash can at me and screamed, and so I scattered trash from there all the way back in the house, and my dad slept on the couch, and so uh, (laughs) it did not go well for dad, (laughs) I'm telling you. 
And my dad was trying to teach me this, son, you were, you were afraid of me. Your fear wasn't founded. And I'm telling you this, fear robs you. And fear will rob me of trying to step out in faith. And it robs us of the power just to trust him and just to see him do miracles in our life. Because if you're not careful, listen, fear causes you. Like when I went outside, fear caused me what? To look at the shrubs and look at the stuff. You know what fear caused me to do? Look at the circumstances. People that are paralyzed by fear, you know what you're focused on? You're no longer focused on Jesus like Simon Peter uh, moved his focus, right? So when you are paralyzed by fear, it is not because you're looking in the face of God. It is because, like Simon Peter, that all of a sudden your fear and your pain, it forces you to look at your circumstances. And so no longer are you looking at, no longer are you looking at him, but you're looking at the world or you're looking at the, 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 the circumstances. Listen, fear will paralyze you. Fear will take away your ability to move forward in life and move forward in, in, in trusting him. But watch this, verse 30. But when he, Simon Peter, when he saw what? He saw the wind. You can't see the wind. He saw the circumstances. He saw the effects of the wind. Okay? He felt the water lapping, you know, at his, at his legs, at his calves. He could hear the wind. And he was afraid. That's what fear does. Fear makes you look at these circumstances. Fear forces you to look at the circumstances in your life. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I mean, he's out there and he's thinking, what in the world am I doing? What in the world am I doing trusting him? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the circumstances. And anyway, how do you begin to sink? I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on water, but here's the deal. When you step in, it's just it's nothing slow, right? When you sink, you sink. But he had enough time to cry out and say, Lord, save me telling you this is what fear will do to you fear will take you out fear will destroy you fear will cause you because listen if you're unwilling to be obedient to God if you're unwilling to trust him fear will cause you it will take you out and it will cause you to say that just doesn't work obedience brings blessing fear comes from looking at your circumstances to where what are you feeling or what are you seeing? And some of you may be looking for jobs right now. And if you move your focus to circumstances, you know what you start doing? You start looking at the economy and you start looking at job reports and you, and you know what happens? It paralyzes you and it gives you fear. If you're going through physical pain, then your focus becomes and starts looking at the circumstances and the situations and it becomes focused on your body rather than focus on the one that's meeting your needs. If you're going through a difficult financial time right now, you know what you'll do? Fear will cause you to focus on what you don't have instead of what you do have and what God's giving you. And so you focus on your circumstances Maybe in relationships. And you begin focusing on the circumstances to where you believe those circumstances are going to take you out. Instead of focusing on him who is in charge of all. See, 
God wants you to learn to walk by faith. This church was birthed out of faith. God told four families, go. Just go and plant a church and see what I'll do. In 2000, God told another small group, I mean, it was just a small group in those days. I have the Southside Four Theater for you. Just go. Just trust me. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear. It's a love relationship with him. Fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in, in love. And, and when Simon Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, his perfect love, he began to sink. And, and the key to this is just is, is your focus, that if you will walk with God, if you will trust him, and he will take care of you, and he will provide for you. Next week, our grandson, Gavin, is a, is a year old, and we're pretty fired up about that. And, and so Gavin's kind of at that age to where you can tell him to do anything, and he'll do it. Right? You remember that age? I mean, you know, you, you, they'll tell, you tell them to jump, and you're always there to catch them, and they'll jump. I mean, they have, like, no fear. And they'll jump, and they don't even think you could miss. You may not catch them. They could fall. They could get hurt and all of that other stuff. And it's a fun age. And I tell you what, I can do that all day long with Gavin. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just hilarious, and it's just so much fun. I wonder how much joy it gives the father when he tells his children, just jump. And we just jump. I wonder how much joy it just gives him. If it gives me that much joy, I wonder how much joy it gives him. Because, listen, I'm telling you, there has never been a time in my life when God has told me to come, God has told me to jump, that he was not there to catch me. Every time when he has told me to follow him, every time when he has told me to jump, every time when he has told me to come. And I just, I just obeyed before it made sense to me, before I could justify it, before, and I just trusted him. And I want you to experience that for yourself. Listen, I want this church to be that kind of a church to where we're the type of church with a, with a bunch of water walkers and not a bunch of boat potatoes. To where you have testimony after testimony of what God has done in your life. When you just trusted him and you just followed him. I'm telling you, we have miracle after miracle of what God did in this church in those early days when we bought this place. And it may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a big deal in those days because we just had a handful of folks. It wasn't like we were in overflow. Fact is, we came into this facility one service. We start out in one service, so here's what I'm asking you to do for 2013. It's a simple ask. We need to be able to pay cash for this land, $375,000. And that's really like no thing. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray. Ask God how much you should give over and above what you're currently giving. Because we still got to pay the lights, we still got to make the rent, we still got to keep this going. And I'm just asking you, it's between you and him. 
I'm asking you to pray about how much you should give and just be obedient. Just give it and we'll call it good. So you can do it several different ways. You can do it by the offering envelope and just make that on there. There's a line for, I think, building fund. If not, you write that in and let us know how much is going to go to the building fund. And, and uh, you can do it online. That's how I give. I go online. We have an encrypted service that we use, and it's a secured server and all of that other stuff. And you can go online and give. And when you pick the account, there's a drop-down general fund and building fund, and you just, you just check that. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. It's just real simple, no guilt, no pressure, none of that, okay? You pray. Pray with your spouse if you have a spouse. You pray. Ask God how much you should give. You just give it. You trust him. And listen, don't worry. Don't worry about, what if they get more than $375,000, Okay? It goes in the pastor's Hawaii fund. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Here's where it'd go. I mean, we need to spend about $57,000 this year in engineering fees to get the SUP and, and amendment to the subdivision plat. We're going to renovate uh, the underground so that we have a real true worship venue. So, so when you're in overflow, it's not like you're in timeout and all of that other stuff. You know, and so we have a place that is dedicated, and you can go there and seat about 100. And so that's, that's where it would go, okay? And so I, I'm just asking you, just pray, ask God what to give, and then let's see what God does. Over the next four weeks, our goal would be this, because you always have to have a goal. Our goal would be before June 1, we'd, be able, we'd have $375,000, and we'd be able to pay for this, this land, okay? So that's your job. Just learn to trust him in your life. See, I want to I wanna lead a bunch of people. They're just willing to trust him and just understand church and part. Listen, God is allowing this church to do some unbelievable things. It's not an issue of this church that we're trying to, to meet our goals. God is pushing us ahead of every dream and every goal that we've ever had. And I'm telling you, whether it's in corporately as a church, whether it's personally, you can trust him with every area of your life. There has never been a time when God has told me to come that he was not there to catch me. There's a young man by the name of, Matt, uh, of Mark Asher Smith who was kayaking off the, off the coast of England. He, he would lecture at Cambridge University. And, and so one, one afternoon he was kayaking out and all of a sudden the seas became rough and his kayak capsizes. And so uh, he thought he was going to drown, and so he was scared to death that he was going to drown, so he reached into the waterproof compartment of the kayak and pulled out his cell phone, and while he's bobbing in the water, he dials his dad, who was training British troops in Dubai. And so he calls his dad on his cell phone, and he says, Dad, he says, my, my kayak is capsized. I need help, and I need help now. And so his dad calls from Dubai to the Coast Guard off the coast, and within 12 minutes, they were there, and they picked Mark up. Every one of us needs to have a dad that we can call. We're in rough water. And when we're a believer, and we have a relationship with him, we have a Father in heaven that may seem far away to you, may seem distant to you, But instead of sending the Coast Guard, he will send his son. 
Water walker, boat potato. You decide. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you, and what is your next step? What is God asking you to do? Every one of us has a next step. What is he asking you to do? What is your next step? Maybe your next step is this, learning just how to trust him with your finances and with your life. To the very first time, be a part of something bigger than yourself that God is doing in Pueblo, Colorado through a local church that just is bold enough just to trust him. Just to be obedient. Obedience brings power. Obedience brings blessing. Maybe there's an area of your life, whether it's relationally, it's financially, that you know God's asked you to do something, and for whatever reason, you haven't wanted to do it. Maybe you just trust Him.